Well, those kids are getting savvy these days. They're hard to trick. Those, those ones, that wasn't their first rodeo, was it? Well, it wasn't their first children's moment. They saw me coming a mile away with the trick. The trick, the old bait and switch. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's take a look at what God's Word has to say tonight. We've looked at a couple of uh, familiar passages uh, to us. I'm, I'm going to read to you, and if you want to read along in the uh, few Bibles that are underneath the chairs in front of you, that's fine. But you can just listen as well. That's, that's fine. Uh, from Philippians chapter 2 tonight. Philippians chapter 2, and read <clears throat> what the Apostle Paul has to say about this magnificent thing that Jesus has done in coming into our, our world. And we'll just spend a few moments uh, tonight, a little, little brief time of devotion, to uh, consider these, uh, these great things that God's Word teaches to us. So, uh, Philippians chapter 2, I'll start with verse 5. <clears throat> it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then it describes what Jesus did. Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or to be held on to, but made himself nothing, taking the form of servant and being born in likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore... God has highly exalted him, giving him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray again. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us this evening to see more and more of what Jesus has done for us in giving up His privileged, protected position in order to come and rescue us who are so in need of Him, dependent upon Him, and so blessed when His comfort and His joy comes into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been uh, watching the National Geographic series that's been out, I guess, recently here, uh, entitled The Long Road Home. The Long Road Home. It's, uh, it's not one for the, the kiddos, uh, for sure. It's a little, it's a little bit, uh, rough, but it, it tells the story, the account of some of the events that took place in, uh, I guess, similar to Black Hawk Down form or The Great Raid, if you've seen some of those films or are familiar with those stories of rescue. And it describes the situation of the U.S. forces who were deployed in 2004, April 4th, into a particular part, uh, uh, Sadr City of Baghdad. And if you uh, were alive at that time, you remember perhaps even these events taking place. This was uh, up to that point when uh, Iraq and the invasion of Iraq, things had been relatively calm. But now these U.S. troops were deployed to this area, and they they expected no trouble. It was really a a peacekeeping mission. This particular area, in fact, was an area that Saddam Hussein had been very hostile to. So they thought things would be just fine. Didn't end up to be that way on April 4th, 2004. And the, the story is recounted in this series, The Long Road Home. A routine uh, convoy of 20 or so, I guess, soldiers found themselves 
pinned down. Their vehicles were uh, destroyed, two of them, and so they couldn't get out of the region. They, they eventually huddled on the rooftop of about a three-story building, which is sort of the highest one, but it was a crowded city area. The building's very hard to tell them apart, and their whole group had just been deployed to that part of Iraq. So people were confused, didn't know where they were. Uh, Aguero was the name of the commander of this particular group of soldiers. They were stuck. They were trapped. They were without hope. As what we came to know later as the insurgency closed in from all around them, all sides. Well, in the hours that followed, multiple waves of troops were deployed from, uh, say, say what you will, nearby Camp War Eagle. Camp War Eagle was actually the name of the camp where troops were deployed. But they hadn't come to Iraq really prepared. Even their equipment and vehicles weren't able to break through. The antennas got shot off of their vehicles, and they couldn't even locate where the troops they were trying to rescue were. Eventually, a number of those convoys had to turn back, and they faced their own difficulties. Eventually... Some tanks arrived, but even with the helicopters flying overhead and helping pinpoint for them where the trapped soldiers were, the the rooftop of that building now caving in as the uh, enemy fire was knocking down brick after brick, those troops huddled there. The tanks couldn't find them. And Aguero spotted those tanks headed by. He saw that they were headed and were once again going to head out of the region. They were out of ammo. They were pinned down. He did an amazing thing. He'd already been injured by a grenade explosion. He grabbed a flashlight from a fellow soldier. In the midst of all of this gunfire at nighttime, tanks rolling around, fires on the street, he ran out into the very alleyway that they were seeking to avoid, the danger they were seeking to avoid, and chased down on foot four tanks, four U.S. tanks that were there to rescue him. He, he barely caught up with the last one, flashing his flashlight because they couldn't get them their, their attention any other way. And eventually that very last tank recognized who he was, turned around, and led him back to rescue his soldiers. A pretty powerful picture of rescue. You've probably read stories uh, similar from military exploits or other uh, rescues that take place, and they all, all of them capture our hearts, don't they? They're compelling. They, they stir something within us. I'll tell you, even the best stories of rescue, they, they all point to the greatest rescue that Jesus has performed for you and me. But, but even those great ones never quite measure up to all that Jesus has done for us. Jesus coming into the world, we read in Scripture, to rescue you and to rescue me, who are pinned down without his help by a threefold enemy. The sinful condition of the world around us, our own broken and fallen nature, And in fact, the evil one as well. They're attacking us at at all times. Maybe some of us see that. Maybe some of us, that's a new concept. Maybe we realize, okay, something's wrong. Now that you mention it, I do feel pinned down. But I've never really thought about the fact that I need somebody to break in and rescue me from that. As we look at these verses tonight, and we'll just just spend a couple of moments looking at them. There's uh, four themes about rescue 
They come out to me as I read these verses and I think are really fitting for us to to meditate on for a few moments tonight. Maybe we'll carry them with us as we walk out of this place. Maybe we'll even take some time to consider these themes tomorrow. And these are the four things I want to mention. The sacredness, the glory, the dependence, and the comfort that we see in these verses. Let's talk first about the reality of of God's sacredness here. We, We don't think about it. We're so used to the term Jesus Christ, even if we're maybe new to the faith or don't know a lot about the faith, we've probably uh, heard Jesus, Jesus Christ, but the, the word Christ has a meaning. And the meaning of that is the anointed one, uh, the, the special one, the set aside one, the Messiah. And that had a meaning to all the Old Testament people of God, and hopefully it has meaning to us today. It, it means that Jesus isn't like every other person we've ever met. He's sacred, He's special. There's something set apart about who Jesus is. He's magnificent in all that he is and does. So as we gather tonight, and we kind of even sense it as we come to a special evening service, we were talking earlier about something as simple as, you know, which setting to have these lights on? There's like a brighter setting for these lights. And we said, let's, let's turn them on the little bit more mellow setting, because why? It's a sacred time, isn't it? We've got these candles, this kind of the whole theme, the whole experience tonight, hopefully, is a time of of thinking about this is a special time. You came out and made a special trip. We're having a special service tonight because why? Because we recognize Jesus is sacred, something sacred about Christmas. So that's the first thing we see in these verses. The second thing we see, and it's in this last part of it, verse 11 It describes all these amazing things that Jesus has done for us. We'll talk about those in just a moment. But it says in verse 11, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord for what purpose? To the glory of God the Father. So not only is Christmas and and our time together tonight and hopefully our time together tomorrow a sacred time, but it's a glorious time as well. Now, If you were here with us this morning for our worship, I was unpacking that theme a good deal. So feel free to, you know, download that message, listen to it online. If you want to think some more about it, we've got just a limited time tonight. So I won't unpack all of that. But we saw that there are glorious things that God does. In the reading you saw from Luke, we see the angels come and they don't say, "Ah, this is just a run of the mill thing, right? This is just an everyday thing. I say, this is glorious. There's glory coming through this one Jesus. And what I hope that we'll see is not only that uh, Jesus invites us to know him as this sacred one who's set apart, but that we would believe and see that there's glory, significance, if you will, weightiness to who Jesus is. And he can bring that significance into our lives. Those are the first two things. The third thing is this, and I'm going to bring it home, I guess, maybe a little more personally for us. We see in these verses that uh, that Jesus is coming into the world and he's got a plan and a purpose to deal with a problem that we have. He wants to rescue us. He's seeking to to save us. And he lets go. It says he he is God. He's fully God. But he releases some of the privileges and the status of that in order that he can come, not just fully God, 
but fully man for you and me. Well, why does he do that? Why is that important? Well, the Bible tells us that as much as we like to feel like we've got our lives under control, feel like we've figured out, maybe even can sort of figure out our own way spiritually, the Bible says actually that you and I are very, very needy people. The Bible talks about us as sheep, for instance. You know, sheep are just really helpless animals. And it really strikes at our pride to hear that that's the case. But the Bible says that if we realize how dependent we are, then we'll be able to see how marvelous this rescue is that Jesus brings. So I don't know where all of you are here tonight. Uh, maybe maybe you come here regularly. Maybe you're here, a uh, friend of family. Maybe you're just visiting with us. But, you know, Jesus gives us these things. God gives us these things that are kind of like those dashboard uh, lights in our vehicle that if we'll pay attention to them, you know, they start flashing. If you don't pay attention to them, eventually that vehicle is going to shut down. Right. And the Lord tells us, you know, some of us, the vehicle may shut down on this side. Some of us, it may shut down on the other side. But I don't know about you, but I want, I want that vehicle running all the way into eternity. Right. All the way into eternity with Jesus. And so when you think about some things in your life that remind you of your dependence and maybe you kind of push them away, because most of us don't like admitting that we're in need, that we're dependent. Maybe it's this Christmas season and you've got every single material thing that you could really think of. You got clothes that you need. You got a nice house. You've got decent cars. You've got some money in the bank accounts. Maybe that's your situation. But if you're honest with yourself, it's an empty life, a prosperous life, maybe on a human terms. But it's there's some emptiness there. I think probably all of us feel that to some degree. That's one of those lights on the dashboard telling us someone, on the the gauge display. Maybe some of us, uh, as we come into this Christmas season, I mean, this is a time of difficulty. Maybe we're having significant stress or trial or struggles in our family. Maybe we've lost a loved one, and that's on our heart and minds. And and that's causing us to realize, goodness, I I can't control the things. I can't control the, the people and the situations around me. I'm dependent upon a sovereign God. I need him. I need his direction in my life. Maybe you're here tonight, and uh, certainly I'm in this category, and you, and you just you, you realize you might have been walking with the Lord for a while, might be just trying to figure out who the Lord is, but you realize some patterns in your life that you know if, if everybody knew that this was going on in my heart or in my mind or my words or my actions, it's, it's really disappointing. I don't, I don't measure up to what I even want myself to be. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just struggling to sort out purpose and meaning in life. You know, those are all dependent realities. They're all statements that the Bible tells if we will admit that that's where we are. The Bible says confess, agree with God. If we admit where we are, God's power and God's glory can come in to you and me tonight. So these verses remind us there's a sacredness to what Jesus has done. There's a glory to what Jesus has done. There's a blessing upon dependent ones that Jesus brings. And look at the last thing I want to mention for tonight. Verse 8. And just listen, if you, if you will. Verse 8. It tells us this. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to the point of death, even death on the cross. What does this tell us? It tells us that just like Aguero ran out, ran out to secure rescue, put himself at great risk, put himself in danger. Jesus has come into the world, not into safety, not into comfort, not into security, but his destiny, ultimately, the, the themes of Christmas lead into the themes of Easter, was the cross. Was to lay down his life for you and for me, to pay pound for pound. And the Bible tells us that that can bring us tremendous comfort. So we see the sacredness, we see the glory, we see and we begin to admit how dependent we are. And then this blessing comes of God's comfort, that he is the great comforter. He comes into our life. And our passage tells us some of the ways that we ought to respond. When we see how Jesus has comforted us, it says that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. That's a great theme, isn't it? It's a great theme for us this time of year. It's a great theme as we begin into a new year. What would it look like for you and me to respond to this Christmas and what Jesus has done in a worshipful posture individually, collectively gathering with God's people as a church body? Every knee shall bow. Every knee shall worship. Tells us earlier in these verses, too, some other ways that this should should shape our lives. And I'll, I'll close with these thoughts. It says back in the beginning of Philippians 2. So we read this whole picture of what Jesus has done, releasing this great position that he had to come in and to rescue and to save us and how we should respond. The very first part of the chapter says this. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, the Apostle Paul says, by being of the same mind. Having the same love and being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your other, your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know what happens when we begin to embrace Jesus in this way? See him as sacred, see him as glorious, recognize we're dependent and receive his comfort. And this passage says that we're equipped to begin to recognize, you know, the person in my my family, let's be honest, that maybe grates on me, drives me a little nuts, or maybe we've had some significant conflict. God allows me to begin to be humbled and to say, you know what, let me let me recognize the great things about that other person and see them as a, a blessing. The Bible tells it allows us to become more loving. Now, we're not going to be unanimous in everything. None of us uh, operates that way. But we can become more united people. We can be more united in our families, in our marriages. Our church body can be more united as we humble ourselves, see the beauty of what Jesus has done. Folks, these are some powerful, powerful themes from God's Word that I hope we'll embrace tonight. I I hope we'll have a, a very, very Merry Christmas tomorrow. Uh, I'm so glad that you all took time to be here in, in this time of worship tonight. I, I've enjoyed this time of, of celebrating God and His goodness tonight. And I, I pray that if, if some of the things that I've talked about tonight are maybe new concepts to you here, uh, maybe the, the idea of recognizing and receiving what Jesus has done and beginning to walk with Him in a saving relationship, This idea of recognizing our dependence and the comfort that Jesus can bring. If those are kind of ideas out there, but you realize you would like those to be things in here, 
We'd love to help you on that journey. That's what we're really about as a church body. Uh, or if you're just struggling along the journey, we'd love to help you as well. So I, I pray that God will bless you with a very Merry Christmas. I pray that the reality of Jesus will be powerful in your hearts and lives. And I pray that, uh, that if there's any way we can help you as we move into the new year, in fact, to grow in these truths, that we can do that. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the salvation we have in him. Thank you for the rescue. Thank you. He didn't consider equality with God something to grasp, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being found in appearance as a man. And Lord, we pray that as we've seen Jesus go to the cross, we recognize he's done that great thing for us, that our knees would bow and our tongues would confess the majesty and glory of this wonderful one, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.